Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got plenty to get to on today's show. As has been a theme over the last couple of weeks, we are going to finish up our first round mock draft with picks 21 through 32. Derek Carr signed a three-year extension with the Las Vegas Raiders worth $121.5 million. The deal puts him at $40.5 million on a yearly average, making him the fifth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Also, Baker Mayfield, first public comment since the Deshaun Watson deal in Cleveland. He uh, had some things to say about his future and about how unhappy he is about how things played out in Cleveland. But we don't really care about any of that on today's show. What we really want to get into is this report by the Boston Globe and this Tom Brady to the Miami Dolphins conspiracy theory that had to do with Brady essentially negotiating a a front office job and like a piece of the team to go to the Miami dolphins and retire then unretire and come back and play for the dolphins. So he could stop bill Belichick every year. I would imagine it's a crazy story. Obviously none of it's verified, but I have to get your guys thoughts on this. So let me welcome in justice Mosqueda of Acme packing co as well as Kyle Posey of Niners nation, the Brady conspiracy saga, the retiring, the unretiring. How do you guys feel about this crazy story? So real quick, before we do that, and I know we said we wouldn't talk about it. Just you mentioning Carr. We can all agree that he's good now, and there's no real reason for any resistance to this contract because I feel like there are, is a good amount of people still operating on a narrative from a couple of years ago, and that's just not who Carr is anymore. Yeah, Car- Carr's solid. I mean, he's borderline top 10 quarterback. That's the money that he's going to get. Like he didn't get $60 million fully guaranteed or whatever, like Deshaun Watson got. So uh, I don't think that there's any pushback. I haven't even really seen any on, on Twitter. And it's a, it's a Wednesday. It's not like there's a ton of stuff going on on NFL Twitter right now. So I don't, I don't think anyone has an issue with that deal. You lock him up. You already have Devonte Adams. You committed to him. Like this is what the team is going to be moving forward. Yeah, I think it's just the cost of doing business. Like he's right. a solid NFL starting quarterback. That's just what you got to pay him. Now for Brady, the juicy stuff, right? What we really want to talk about. Um, where do we want to start here? Do we want to go with Bill? Because that's where it all, like it's just coming full circle of having to have the quarterback who you coach for over, you know, nearly two decades being your division 
and blowing it up right away. Like just saying, nope, not going to happen. Not on my watch. I just got out from under you and I'm not going to, you know, just have that shadow, uh, live in that shadow again. Yeah. So people have kind of said now, like maybe this is like Belichick was the catalyst for all of this kind of like breaking down. And it's something I'm at least willing to entertain. Right. Like the, the Patriots are definitely like a 3d chess organization and Bill Belichick being able to send a text to Brian Flores and get the ball rolling on Tom Brady will not be playing against me for the remainder of my coaching career tracks at least a little bit. Like if uh, we, we talked about in terms of like the conspiracy theories and stuff, right? Like the NFL, not the NFL said that they didn't leak the emails, but the NFL leaking the emails about uh, Gruden the day before the NFLPA had their vote on, you know, who's going to lead their union moving forward. That's probably like an eight out of 10 on the conspiracy (laughs) theory scale, right? Of me just being like very interested in hearing everything out. Belichick sending a text to Flores and being able to just basically kill, kill this dream as it starts is at least like a three. Like I'm at least willing to entertain and hear it out. And so to give you guys a few more details on this story, because it is absolutely wild and suggests a level of collusion, unlike anything that we've ever seen in the NFL before. Uh, So basically the plan that Tom Brady allegedly worked out with Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross was that he was going to retire in Tampa Bay and then accept a front office position with the Miami Dolphins and, and go work in their front office, get, get a piece of the team, and then eventually, once we got post NFL draft and, you know, the Bucks had moved on and said, OK, we're committing to a rebuild. We're going to go figure out what our quarterback situation is going to look like for the future. Brady was going to unretire and say, I want to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Then the Dolphins would have to give up some kind of compensation to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But all of this got blown up by the Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL and the Miami Dolphins because they couldn't pull it off. Like you couldn't be under that kind of scrutiny and then have this level of collusion between an owner and a player who is under contract with another team. Like you just can't have that happen. So if this is true, and I'm sure this will never be proven true, there's no way to really prove it unless we get some type of like, valid proof like text messages or or recorded conversations or something like that which probably isn't going to happen it would be the highest level of collusion in nfl history and so i'm just going to choose to believe that it is true because it's more fun to me it's so much more fun to believe that tom brady during the three weeks of his retirement thought about how he could get back into it and essentially pulled off a heist (laughs) to come away to not only a new team, but a new team that would play the Patriots twice a year and he'd be able to rub it in his, again, Bill Belichick's face that I'm better than him because that's all people really talk about. Is it Brady or is it Belichick? Um, hypothetically, of course, Tom Brady on the Dolphins, where would that put them in the AFC? Pretty top, high. Top three? He's Tom Brady. Yeah, man. I know. He went to Tampa and won a ring immediately. And then if not for... I mean, I mean, they went toe-to-toe with the, the Rams until the final minute of that game, and the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl, right, So in the last playoffs. So, I don't know. The, the Flores-Brady boat thing, remember? That, that was a whole narrative that was out there, too, and that was part of the uh, 
the lawsuit was that Stephen Ross basically was like, hey, Brian Flores, how about you come talk to Tom Brady? And Flores was like, I can't be here right now. This yeah. is this breaks league rules. Like, I have to get off of your damn boat. Um, feels like that our hunch when he retired, which was that that retirement letter that didn't really mention the New England Patriots at all, felt more like a retirement from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than like a retirement from football. Feel like we're vindicated in that now, you know, now, now knowing where all the chips kind of late at that point and then people are saying like the the head coach that they wanted to pair was uh sean payton so like maybe like sean payton now obviously is going to be back in in football within the next year right like we we talked about him and potentially uh the dallas cowboys and stuff and we'll see where that goes but is tom brady like in 2023 a miami dolphin like are are these wheels still in motion because they've tried to steven ross Michigan alum, very important to note, right? Same same as Tom Brady, men of Michigan. He's taking two swings at Brady now, right? What's stopping him from a third? Well, not the new head coach because it's <laughs> – like it's Mike McDaniel. He's he's never coached in the NFL. Like he doesn't have any head coach experience. Obviously, he's offensive coordinator and Kyle Shanahan sidekick for a decade. But um, Tom Brady is going to be the one, you know, making the decisions. I think the question is, does Tom Brady want to play for the Dolphins? Because if Tom Brady wants to play for the Dolphins, he'll be playing for the Dolphins. And it's probably as simple as that. Uh, and yeah, it just seemed like Bruce wasn't playing ball, right? Because you guys remember, what was it, at the Combine? Where they were asking him about that? And he was like, takes five first-round picks to get Tom Brady. And I was like, all right, well, he's not going there. Which is why I wonder, like, what the hell was the, the plan? Like, I, I understand – the Dolphins being like we wanted him as like an ownership or part of ownership or like in the front office or something. The the part I don't get is where you go from there to the Bucks are just going to let him play quarterback for us. That's the part I, I still don't get. Like they, they're just going to give him up. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I think that that was something that they were just hoping that it would get to a point where it's like Tampa Bay doesn't have a, a choice anymore and they just got to do it kind of like what the what the Bucks did to the Patriots and Gronk. Like once Brady went there, Gronk said, well, I'll come out of retirement, but only to go play with Brady. And so the Patriots didn't have a choice but to just trade him so he could come out of retirement and, and play with Tom Brady. I think Sean Payton in this is interesting because we've talked a lot about Sean Payton, like leaving New Orleans and leaving them in cap hell and, and the roster is kind of just barely pieced together. They're not in a good situation moving forward. John Payton's probably furious that all of this stuff didn't work out because he thought I'm going to bounce, get out of New Orleans, leave this bad situation that I have that I have put the team in myself. And I'm just going to go win rings with Brady my last couple of years and then retire and ride off into the sunset. He'll be fine. He'll be fine with Dak in, in 2023 for, you know, the next decade or whatever. Sean, Sean will be all right. I don't worry about him too much. But, yeah, I mean, he does have to be at least a little frustrated about this not playing right. I mean, how many things can can go wrong for Steven Ross? Like, by all accounts, he is trying to be the smartest guy in the room about 20 times, and not a single one of them have landed. What's that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably not the smartest guy. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, how, many, think... how many chances does he get, man? Seems like Bill Belichick might be the, the guy that we're looking for in that conversation. But 
it is interesting the way the Dolphins have loaded up. And so maybe it is just now. It's right out this season with Tua. Next season, it's Brady. And all of a sudden, we've got a Super Bowl caliber roster in Miami. But all of this stuff's crazy. We just we, we had to get some thoughts in uh, about that conspiracy theory with Tom Brady and the Miami Dolphins. But let's get back to our mock draft. Again, we've already gone th- through picks 1 through 20 in this thing so we're going to finish things up number 21 through 32 just to recap our picks from last week uh number 11 washington selected wide receiver chris olave number 12 minnesota selected jermaine johnson number 13 houston selected charles cross number 14 baltimore selected george Karloftis. number 15 andrew booth to the philadelphia eagles Number 16, Trevor Penning to the New Orleans Saints. Number 17, Jamison Williams to the Los Angeles Chargers. Number 18, Drake London back to the Eagles. Number 19, Garrett Wilson to the Saints. And number 20, Desmond Ritter to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That brings us to number 21, the New England Patriots. They've got a lot of holes on their roster. They lost J.C. Jackson, obviously. They cut Kyle Van Noy. Uh, they've got a lot of holes to fill. They did trade for Devonte Parker from the Miami dolphins, but they need a cornerback. They need an edge rusher. They need a linebacker. They need a wide receiver. Uh, where do you guys see bill Belichick going at number 21 in the NFL draft? You let JC Jackson walk to select a cornerback in the first round, right? Just financially speaking, positional need speaking, um, just talent importance of, you know, the NFL, it has to be cornerback, right? I, I think so. I mean, the two guys that stick out to me right now, just in terms of guys who are left on the board, it's Devin Lloyd from Utah, just because I think, you know, as a linebacker, he fits very well for what Bill Belichick wants to do. And then Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Washington. Yeah. It feels like a, a Bill Belichick first round pick, like especially his track record with wide receivers. And they just got Devonte Parker. Cause they were like, we've at least seen this guy can play in the NFL compared to some of our picks. They got to go cornerback and he's had so much success over the years, just developing corners and turning in them into superstar players. So I feel like they've got to go cornerback here. Um, but I know you guys like Trent McDuffie is a guy that you guys ha- have been kind of hard on, uh, especially like as a prospect, is he somebody that they should take at 21 or is there another guy that you would rather go for uh, instead of the consensus top cornerback left on the board? Real, real quick, since, since you brought him up, I imagine you've watched him. How do you feel about the Devin Lloyd, Fred Warner comps? I feel like we shouldn't uh, compare guys to Fred Warner. Feel feel like that's fair. Um, as a as a Niners fan, I'm sure you get tired of every athletic linebacker being compared to Fred Warner, and then any wide receiver who's like 200 pounds being compared to Debo Samuel. Not even 200. It, it look, man. There there is a hundred Debo Samuels now. I, I, I couldn't believe it until this draft season where every single guy is being cop to him. Since this podcast started, two people have added me college draft prospects who they believe can be similar to Debo Samuel. For the <laughs> record, both of the prospects they mentioned are not playing the same sport as Debo Samuel. In my opinion, Devin Lloyd is not playing the same sport as Fred Warner. They could not be any more different when you watch them. I would not take him in the first round. Fred Warner, remember, was a third-round draft pick. Like He was a safety, and he ended up you know, having a good season. But I don't know if it's because of the overreaction, just what we've seen with guys like you know Warner and some of the top linebackers in general. But I, I don't know how you justify taking a linebacker in the first round, just with the, the landscape of the NFL. 
But um, yeah, the cornerbacks, it seems like, so you need a guy who's very good in man coverage because that's what the Patriots do. You need a guy who's going to understand route recognition. Um, I feel like it should be Kyrie Elam from Florida. He seems like a Patriot. He seems like a guy who Bill Belichick would love just with his style of play. Um, again, I think he's a very instinctive player. He can run. He proved that he can run. A little on the smaller side, I believe, which is why um, just, I mean, depending who's available, they might lean, uh, look for a longer guy. But I would go Elam here. I know that McDuffie's still available. I think Elam is comfortably better than McDuffie. I know not a lot of draft analysis agree with that, but I, I'm going to stand on that take. So um, I would go Elam here. But again, I, I, I acknowledge that the pick would probably be um, McDuffie if other you know mock drafters were making this pick. Let's go with Elam then. Let's go. Let's go with your guy. I ha- I haven't really studied defensive backs as closely as you because to me they're very boring to watch. All the time. So <laughs> I don't I don't like it. Well, what's your favorite position to watch? Defensive line, easily. Defensive line, offensive line, quarterback. I I know our guys at Arrowhead Pride have been drafting Kyrie Elam to the Chiefs uh, late in the first round. I know they absolutely love him, so they'll probably be heartbroken to find out that he went so high in our mock draft, but uh, Kair Elam to the New England Patriots at number 21. Number 22, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they're going wide receiver, right? Like, they have to go wide receiver. That's the biggest position of need. Uh, we, we've talked about it a ton on this podcast. The top wide receiver mm-hmm. on the board currently, according to the consensus mock draft boards, is wide receiver Traylon Burks. I don't know if they go wide receiver if this is what the board looks like, honestly. Um, Which I don't is think why that these are fun, by the way. And you don't and, want to force it. Yeah, I mean, I think if they're in this position, they start looking at athletic defensive linemen because they are really thin in terms of their depth at both edge and the defensive line. Um, Jordan Davis isn't so much of a pit uh, a fit with them just because they have literally Kenny Clark playing nose tackle for them. The guy I would look at here is Devontae Wyatt, who they just uh, brought in on a visit from Georgia. Athletic guy. He's he's a bigger guy, but he can play nose. He can play three-tech. I think that fits really well with, you know, someone you want to match with Kenny Clark as opposed to, like, a Jordan Davis who kind of only plays what Kenny Clark can play. Um, I think if the board is like this, and we'll see if – you know, on draft day, a guy like Carl Loftus is there. But if the board is like this and all the speed wide receivers are gone, right? Like Burks doesn't run a crazy 40 time or anything like that. I think the pick at 22 is probably going to be a guy like Devontae Wyatt. Um, real quick, Steve, if Elam were to fall to the Chiefs, that would be one of the best picks Veach has ever made. So you should hope for that. <laughs> um, back to the Packers. Yeah. You, what would, of course, Burks would look good with the Packers just because his quarterback, but would that be maximizing your value here? I really yeah. don't think so. Yeah. And when you talk about why I imagine you, you see him as a guy who can pretty much play from like B gap to B gap. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And he's going to be asked to do, I mean, he, if he's the draft pick this high, he's going to be part of basically a four man rotation with our three man rotation. Really. It's like him, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry playing in a, a three, four, he's probably going to play end and then kick in as like a three tech and nickel looks. So he's going to be asked to play, you know, 60% of the snaps, which as a defensive lineman is basically starting, starting amount of snaps. So for sure, 
I think he makes the biggest impact on this team relative to like where the tiers are going to separate between the 22nd and the 28th pick. I also root is for this... chaos in the NFL draft. So I, I think the Packers selecting a defensive lineman with their first pick, knowing they have such big needs at wide receiver would create chaos. on. Oh, AP, APC is record amount of comments <laughs> on draft day. If this could happens. they, could they reach for a receiver? And when I say reach it, I mean, you like, you see the name Jahan Dotson floated around. He's too small for them. It, it would be a guy like okay. Pickens, but I think Pickens is going to be there at 28, which is why it's like, all right, let's take Wyatt at 22. And if we're going to take Pickens, just take him at 28. So if there are thresholds for receiver, maybe another reach edge rusher, like we talked about the Penn state guy, um, mm-hmm. maybe they're higher on the Michigan kid who I know he's banged up or whatever, but um, could we, could you see them taking an edge rusher? Just again, they just had a hole. They just had a hole open with Zaris leaving. So there's an obvious hole there. Who knows what they expect moving forward out of Gary and whatnot. But um, yeah, could this be a spot where they go edge? I I think so, but it would be a guy like Karloftis falling if if he were available at 22. I think Ojabo or Mafe or even Ebiketti. Like I think those guys are all in play at 28 if they go wide receiver at 22 or if they trade up. Like if they package their third round pick in 22 to move up for like. Chris Olave or something. I think that's when they start looking at those type of guys at 28. But if Carlotas isn't there, I, I think they're probably going to avoid edge rusher just in terms of like where the, where the tiers of talent are. So the way this board has played out, are we going, we're going defensive lineman, uh, Devonte Wyatt for the green Bay Packers at 22. And then we'll see where they go. Wide receiver a little bit later down the line. Number 23, the Arizona Cardinals, Uh, We've talked about the Cardinals a little bit already. They've got plenty of needs. They have not been an active team in free agency this offseason. They lost Chandler Jones. They lost Christian Kirk. They lost Chase Edmonds. uh, Lost some other players and really haven't signed anybody a note aside from retaining Zach Ertz and James Conner. So they've got plenty of needs on the roster. They've also got a big need at wide receiver. Is this another spot where we could see a wide receiver go, or do they have so many holes on the roster? Is there another player that you guys like uh, value-wise at number 23 for the Cardinals? Uh, real quick, going dialing back. Bigger second contract, Wyatt or Davis? I think Wyatt. I think Wyatt. Just, just because versatility? Of, yeah, positional versatility and all that. I, I know Wyatt's a little bit older, but there's a reason why Jordan Davis is on the board, even though he's like a generational athlete for his size. It's just that he can only play so many snaps, and – He's not a fit for everyone, right? We just talked about how, you know, if Green Bay's on the clock, they're probably going to want Wyatt more than Davis just because of the defensive linemen that they have around them. With the Arizona Cardinals, one thing I think I find interesting is apparently they were in on the race for Christian Kirk, and that's kind of what helped bring the bidding up. It sounds like they really want to address the wide receiver position super early on in the draft, which I I guess – Maybe some people have realized that. I didn't realize that until I started talking to people trying to understand what the wide receiver market's going to look like in this draft class. They only have three picks in the first five rounds of the draft, so they don't have that many at-bats. This is where I could see a guy like Traylon Burks because they just drafted uh, Rondell Moore. Incredible, man. (laughs) Who's going to be their speed guy. They have Nuke. So if if they add Burks and they really want to surround Kyler with this talent and try to figure out what they have in the guy, like – the time to strike, I guess, is now because what once that second round comes up, who knows who's going to be left on the board? Like you might be taking 
Sky Moore out of Michigan or Western Michigan, right? Like you're talking about directional schools at that point. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Cardinals fans right here flood out the idea of Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, which seems high, but that's why the fact that just the fact that they're talking about receivers, I guess, is my point that you know that's what they're targeting, that's what they're looking at. If obviously he's not available in, in real life, it would be scary for Pickens to go here. I feel like that would be their best bet. And I know we're talking about, you know, the gadgety receivers of Burks and uh, more, but I feel like they need a guy like what AJ Green was supposed to give them on the outside, you know, a lot of those fades and um, just routes outside the numbers. But I don't think Burks, I can't, I can't go Burks here. I can't do it, man. Um, I don't think he's a bad player by any means. I just, wouldn't it be redundant to go him and Rondell in back-to-back years? But I say that, which would make it even more sense because the Cardinals who drafted linebackers in the first round back-to-back years. Linebackers. Linebackers that they, one played safety in college. Don't know one. what to do with, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one who, like, moonlights as an edge rusher, so. Well, so I am curious about your guys' opinion on kind of the fall of Traylon Burks because it, it feels like when we were coming into the draft and, and starting all the tre- pre-draft process before the NFL Combine, like he was looked at like, oh, that dude's got the size and the speed. And then obviously he didn't have a great NFL Combine. Uh, you know, he had the bad vertical jump, didn't run a great forty time. But a lot of people still think like that guy, his size, his explosiveness on tape, like. He can still be an NFL playmaker, but he's still on our board right now. And you're talking about taking George Pickens over him. I'm just curious why you guys feel that way about Traylon Burks. And I love George Pickens. I'd be totally fine with George Pickens going right. Yeah, I think for me, it's just maximizing what I'm going to get out of a guy. I know that there are fewer question marks with Pickens. I mean, I think the world of Pickens, so that's probably not a fair um, example. But I guess for Burks, like when you watch him play, a lot of it is either – I guess a lot of it just happens once the ball is in his hands. Like I want to see a guy work to get open right away. I want to see, uh, I just have questions about him getting, you know, just as far as running routes, um, what happens before the ball is in his hands. And when that's like the main concern, I'm probably going to pass on you in the first round. One of the things with Burks, and this is something that I, again, I've been trying to do a bunch of homework on this wide receiver class, talking to guys just to figure out what's happening with these guys. It seems like the Burks stuff, a lot of people are falling out of love with him when they get him in the room and they talk to uh, coaches and you hate to knock kids, especially when it's, you know, hashtag anonymous and all that stuff. But like, I guess like a lot of the stuff is like, he didn't really know where to line up. Even a lot of the times, like their motions were even limited with what they could do with him. So he he played in a really like easy system to just kind of like be, a football player. These are kind of the same conversations we had with like uh Kadarius Tony last year. You guys remember that where it's oh, like yeah. you you have to kind of manufacture touches for him. I kind of like those wide receivers who like you're not trying to do that many things with them in a Cliff Kingsbury system because he's not going to run a super advanced passing offense anyway. Um so I think it's a nice landing spot for him if that was the pick. But I, I think that's why a lot of people are falling kind of out of love with him. So we go in George Pickens here with the Arizona Cardinals. It's going to break my heart for the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll break my heart too. But I mean, he's <laughs> he's the better receiver in my opinion. I mean, we friend of the podcast, Nicobe Dean, last week, right, said he was the best guy he ever saw. And 
Georgia practice offensively, and he went, you know, in the trenches toe to toe with first round offensive linemen. So, yeah, we're not going to disrespect Nicobe. Let's go, George. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love George Pickens' game. Uh, I definitely hope he winds up being available a little bit later in the draft. Number 24, the Dallas Cowboys. They've got plenty of needs. They could use another wide receiver. It feels like the Cowboys have needed a safety for the last decade. Uh, They still need to fill that hole. They need a defensive tackle. They need another edge rusher, linebacker. Where do you guys think the Cowboys are going to go at number 24? Maybe Parsons plays all of those positions for them because, (laughs) I mean, I don't think people realize how special he played down the stretch when they were just moving him around, man. Of course, on passing downs, he played – he just walked down to the edge, but it is amazing just what raw athleticism and speed can do for your defense. And yeah, he's a playmaker. He's a game changer, but just watching him move and watching him essentially transport teleport from sideline to sideline or from point A to point B, it was really fun to watch. So the Dallas, your goal is to draft another Michael Parsons. That's what you need to do this year. Let, let me, let me pitch you someone. So Dallas is kind of a height, weight, speed team, right? What do we think about Jordan Davis? It's not like Dallas has a great interior defensive line right now. Parsons is going to kind of play all across the board. I I think they're going to be okay at edge rusher. They're going to be okay in the secondary, the way that they kind of play defense. I think their biggest return on investment would be taking Jordan Davis here. What is your alternative to Davis? Traylon Burks, I guess. Like what or yeah, I mean, I think the way the board shakes out, stat or looking at a guard is probably the the uh, other way to go about it. So with Davis, you are getting more athletic up front. You are probably you're making Michael Parsons better on you know early downs for sure, just by letting him protecting him and letting him run roam. Um, I like it just because you know you get a good football player, you get a guy who you know will make your run defense better. And you're making other players on your defense better as well. So, yeah, let's do it, man. Good football player. Um, has a whole, you know, prestige Georgia National Championship. And we know that he makes plays, too. It's not like he's a bad football or, you know, it's not like he's just a, a plotting nose tackle. Yeah, I think at this point in the drafts, like you just it, it fills a need for the Dallas Cowboys. And you think that it makes them better on day one. And like that defense is going to be Micah Parsons. So anything you can do to make Micah Parsons even better is the way you should probably go for the Dallas Cowboys. So totally fine with it. Top player left on our uh, consensus draft board, Jordan Davis. Number 25, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills don't have a lot of needs. Um, you know, we've talked about them. I, I think that they are the best team in the NFL right now before we get to the NFL draft, the way that their roster has worked out. They add Von Miller. They're going to get Tredavious White back next year. Like they're already a really good team. So for them, it's just kind of beefing up some areas and and finding depth and maybe finding guys to contribute. So where do you guys see the bills going at number 25? First of all, I agree with everything you said about just them being the best team Think about it. So they probably should have made the AFC championship or whatever. Didn't they add Von Miller? to their defense. Like, who gets to say that, man? Knowing like how how well they were already coached, how much talent they already had on that team, who their quarterback is, and now they get to add, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I don't know a pick that they would make where you'd be like, no, that doesn't make sense, which that just tells you, you know, how deep they are. I don't know where to go though. I don't know where I would go if I was Buffalo. One one guy I like here, Lewis Seen, 
uh, from Georgia, the safety. Jeez, I mean, they they have some aging uh, guys at safety, and they've had one of the better uh, safety tandems in the league with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde for for a long time, right? Like the last say the best. four years. Um, po- Poyer is now uh, asking for more money. He's up there in age. Micah's up there in age. I wonder if this is something where they just kind of pivot to the future and almost look at it as like a let's try to actively not get worse as these guys start costing more, right? Because they're at that point in terms of the team building where they have to start looking at replacements and reloading and being able to kind of keep the team together. That defense. So I don't You probably don't know this, but my comp for scene is if Jordan Poyer ran a four, four, just like watching him play the way that he understands what's going on. They look a lot alike with just being instinctual as sign just have or scene just happens to be super freaking fast. Um, I don't hate it. I, I think he's, I think, he's one of the best players in the draft, like regardless of position. So he's going to just come with so much value wherever he goes. Why not go Tyler Linderbaum? Um, why not go somewhere in the trenches? Again, like there's, there's nothing wrong there. There's nowhere they would go. That would be wrong, but why not go, you know, um, I don't Mitch Morris, Steve, uh, that's their center right now. So safe to say that the Iowa kids going to be an upgrade. Um, Invest in the trenches, protect your quarterback, you know, take a little bit off his plate. But again, I, I don't know where you would go here that you would be upset. Yeah, that one's interesting because so they they won the tender battle with the Chicago Bears for Ryan Bates. Um, but Ro- Roger Saffold is up there in age and he's basically on a one year deal. So if, if they don't like what they've seen out of Cody Ford at this point, I think that that is in play because Linderbaum is a guy who can not only just play center, he's athletic enough. He could play card too. Like he's going to be fine. So you can move him around. So I I would say those are probably the two top guys I would be thinking of, which again are not necessarily picks for this year, but like picks for just moving forward in general. When you've built the roster that they have, you can afford to do this. Right. Yeah. I think Linderbaum actually is really interesting right there because you know Mitch Morse has been a, a good center for them, but he is getting older and more expensive. You know, they've got the big contract with Josh Allen. They just gave Stefan Diggs more money. So it, it is like a, a plan for the future move because it's, I think, the most Super Bowl ready roster right now in Buffalo. So, yeah, I, I think that Linderbaum is really interesting there. I think that would be a really good pick for them, but safety is a little bit more flashy. So I'll, I'll let you guys decide where we go. Oh, Linderbaum, let's give some love to the offensive lineman. We haven't taken one in a while. So, all right, let's beef up that Buffalo offensive line. Number 26, the Tennessee Titans. Um, they've got plenty of needs as well. Uh, this is a team that's, Kind of thought they were in Super Bowl contention, and I guess you know they they were the top team in the AFC last year. Um, but nobody looks at the Tennessee Titans as if they're a team. I think that you really have to fear in the AFC with how loaded it is now. But they need uh, some offensive line help. They need a linebacker. They need a cornerback. They need another wide receiver after uh, the Julio Jones trade just did not seem to work out for them. So they've got a lot of holes to fill to try to help Ryan Tannehill and company. Where do you see the Tennessee Titans going at number twenty six? Is this a good spot for Zion? That was literally the player I was going to bring up. I mean, if Aaron Brewer is 270 pounds right now, they have him listed as the starting left guard on our lads. Um, 
they need depth on that offensive line. They've just gotten worn down there, you know, year over year, having guys be like walking and signing with other teams, which is fine, but it's going to start costing them at some point. I, I think this is if Linderbaum going ahead of the Titans by one pick probably breaks the heart a little bit. But if your consolidation price prize is uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College, that's a pretty good pick, too. Sold. <laughs> yeah. Beef up the offensive line. I don't think you can ever go wrong there. And in a again, in a absolutely loaded AFC, I, I don't think the Titans are necessarily going to fix all their issues to be truly competitive. Uh, and with one draft, and they need they need to improve their pass protection. And he that's what he does. Like he just, I don't, I don't want to act like I'm an offensive line expert, but he just doesn't miss. <laughs> like he doesn't have blown blocks when he plays, and that's what you and want. You know? Super athletic too. Guy. Super athletic. It's not like five year senior, been there. So yeah. he's 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 going to be great. He'll start week one for them and probably play two full contracts. So just like so, number twenty six, number twenty six overall offensive lineman Zion Johnson to the Titans. Let's actually take a quick timeout right here. And when we get back, we'll finish up our first round mock draft coming up next on NFL University. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Stephen Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Finishing up our full first-round mock draft, we are at pick number 27. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We already talked about the Brady conspiracy theories, but he's back in Tampa for at least one more season. And they basically just ran it all back again, like they did the prior season. They brought back... Pretty much everybody that they really needed to bring back, aside from uh, guard Ali Marpet, who decided to retire, did not come back from retirement the way that Brady decided to. But then they traded for Shaq Mason. So they filled a lot of holes on this roster, but another team that could still use maybe another edge, maybe another cornerback or, or just some depth along the offensive line. Where do you guys think that the Bucks are going to go at number 27? I, I think interior on both lines is where you probably want to look at Tampa. Um, Kenyon Green is an interesting guy to me, uh, the the guard from Texas A&M. They, they did get Shaq Mason in the trade, but they still also have another hole on the offensive line. If you can go left to right, Donovan Smith, Kenyon Green, Ryan Jensen, Shaq Mason, Tristan Wirfs, that offensive line is cooking again, and Brady doesn't have to worry about getting a hit basically the entire season. Um, the unfortunate thing is now that uh, Jordan Davis is off the board, and again, Jordan Davis probably isn't a great fit for Tampa because they really have Vita Vea there playing nose tackle. There isn't really an interior defensive lineman to take in this kind of range, in my opinion. It's probably a little too early for Logan Hall. You could probably get him. If you really want him, you could probably trade up from, from your second-round pick to nab him. I think the guard is probably the next pick. Yeah, and I imagine there's going to be a little run on offensive linemen. So we've seen the, the tackle run happen already. And now with Linderbaum, with Johnson, I imagine teams aren't going to want to miss out on green. 
So not, this feels like a good spot for Green. And, and as Justin mentioned, when you talk about defensive linemen, we're talking about, like, who else? Would it be Logan Hall? Would it be Travis Jones? Like, those are the guys who probably are going to be around closer to, like, the 60s. So you're not going to want to take them here. Um, it, it does make sense to go to go green after having missed out on, you know, whether it's Lindemann, um and the other lineman we took. So selecting offensive lineman Kenyon Green, if he only gets one year with Brady, does that mean he never gets Tom Brady's phone number? Because Tristan Wirfs has been protected for a couple of years and apparently didn't have his phone number. That's that's hilarious, man. He'll he'll see him in Miami in 2023. <laughs> there we go. So moving on, uh, number 28, we are back on the Green Bay Packers. Justice, is this the wide receiver pick that Packers fans have been waiting for? Yeah, I mean, if you guys are going to take pickings from me, I guess we got to go with Traylon Burks at this point. Like, if you're just going to give them to me at 28, I, I feel like everyone will celebrate that. They'll say, hey, return on investment. We got our guy. Um, Packers fans who had the meltdown for taking Devontae Wyatt at 22 will end up being happy. And we got three more picks on day two of the draft. So get excited. Is he what the, the Packers want at wide receiver? Uh, they brought him in on a visit. He's a bigger body guy. I mean – the, the thing with the Packers that's interesting is because they're not feeding Devontae Adams on screens anymore, they don't need their off, their wide receivers being the smallest offensive line in the league, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, if they kind of pivot away from exclusively looking at guys who are, you know, 215-plus um, moving forward. But he hits all the things that they're looking at. I think he could be a vertical threat for them. He could play in the slot. Um, he could play outside a little bit. The The thing is they still need speed, even if this is the selection, right? He doesn't even have the speed that like a Pickens necessarily has. You look at a wide receiver core of uh, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Traylon Burks. It's not like any of them are taking the top off the defense. Not a single high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they'd have to pivot to, you know, inside run and play action. But I, I think their roster is kind of, built to do that if Mercedes Lewis is going to be your why and you got you know Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon out of the backfield they they can't leave the first round without a wide receiver right 100 percent, and he's the guy to take I mean what are you going to do over overdraft Christian Watson at this point I'd, I'd rather have Burks than Watson so I just uh, like I'm thinking back to previous Packers drafts and the get Aaron Rodgers weapons crowd and just ne them never doing it and just never doing it and never wide receiver it. finally fell to him. It finally fell to him. And that was the guy that they probably would have taken at 22. So, yeah, so I agree. I think Traylon Burks is, is the guy that you got to go there for the Green Bay Packers. So you got Still you got to get that wide receiver in the first round. Uh, number 29, and the Chiefs have back-to-back first-round picks, 29 and 30. They've got some major holes to fill. They've got some decent depth on the roster, but obviously they need another wide receiver in a big way after trading away Tyreek Hill. They need another edge rusher. Uh, right now it is Frank Clark and either Mike Dana or Joshua Kando on the other side. Um, oh, boy. They desperately need another edge rusher, and they also need another cornerback. Um, they've got Legarius Need and Rashad Fenton. That's about it for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. So based on who we have left, top consensus players, where do you guys see the Chiefs going at number 29? So how, what we talk about with the Bills, um, 
they could pick anybody and probably not be wrong. I feel like it's a lot of the same for the Chiefs, but for the opposite reasons, just because there are so many th- holes that they have to fill. It's it's weird talking about that. Just think about the way we talked about the Chiefs the last couple of years, just how essentially they're invincible with their quarterback, their superhuman quarterback. And now, they, like, he's still here, but when you look up and down the roster, it's like, man, where did everybody go? It's really bizarre just the switch or like the turnover that they've had on the roster. Um, cornerback does make sense. Trent McDuffie does seem like a Chiefs kind of pick right here where uh, safe. I don't know what his upside is. I don't I don't think he has the same type of upside other people do, but he would be an upgrade from what they have. And he would be able to be a, like a plug and play type guy. And again, we have two picks back to back. So um, if you're debating between cornerback, wide receiver, edge rusher, wide receiver, cornerback, you know, just going down the lines, you can pick one here and still be able to get your guy in the very next pick. So I would go, I would come away with McDuffie in one of these instances. Steven, how, how sold are you on the Willie Gay, Nick Bolton inside linebacker unit? Nakobe mm, time. I like them as players. I am a little worried that we're over hyping like what they can be because chiefs fans are like, we are set at linebacker for the next decade. And I just don't think that's the case. Like Willie Gay was still like a heavy rotational player last year. And same goes for Nick Bolton. And he was a rookie and Spags likes to work those guys in slow and he, but he is going to replace Anthony Hitchens. So he's going to have a really big role in the defense. He's just not a coverage guy in any way. Willie Gay is kind of that dude, but I'm just worried about the lack of snaps and and just assuming that they're going to be legitimate. So like Nicobe Dean's a guy that I've seen float around uh, to go to the chiefs. And I would be excited about that pick. I think most chiefs fans would absolutely hate it and be frustrated by it. He's so much better than what's on the roster. He's, he's such a good fit too, though. Like that, that's the problem is, Georgia runs that blitz front where Nakobe Dean is getting all American production, just blitzing from all angles to all angles. And we know Spags is a freaking psycho, right? Like if there's any doubt on can Willie Gay be that guy moving forward, I think Nakobe Dean then becomes, you know, in play there. And it would be really fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I understand Chiefs fans at that point would probably be mad that they spent what? Three state drafts, uh, second round picks, and a first round pick. Um, Nuts, man. That probably feels like heating the furnace with $100 bills at that point. But Nicobe Dean would be a really good fit for this defense. I understand if you don't have the stomach to, to pull the trigger on it, though, too. I you actually also- – I like it. Like, I would actually be excited about it just as, like, like a fan in the way that he would fit into the team. That's something that I would actually really like to see for the Chiefs. So they need to get a lot more athletic at the second level as well. And that was a big problem for them last year. And think about, you talk about his scheme or just like what he was able to do. Um, like he can fly, man. And it when you have that mentality, when you're able to just fit, I don't want to say fit recklessly, but they are able to, hey, we need you to go here. And Spags does a lot of that too. So being able to get downhill, pull the trigger, like what he does, yeah. Dean is a really good football player. Like he was one of the best football players on one of the best defenses of all time. I imagine he would help turn over um, a Chiefs team that just, you know, wasn't very aggressive at the linebacker level. Like there were so many games, especially early in the year last year, where it's like you're watching the linebackers like, why are you still there? Like when are you going to go, 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 go? And that is not a problem with Dean at all. So, yeah, like just as far as fit goes, 
it'd be tough to find a better one. Uh, I, I just think that this team needs on, especially on defense, like they just need an infusion of playmakers. Like they just need guys who can just go out and make plays. And I think Nicobe Dean is, is that dude. So I'm fine with the pick. I think we should do it at number 29. And the reason I think I'm fine with it too, is because they have had success in years past. And m- this is hard to replicate. I totally understand, but getting like Legereus need Rashad Fenton, like these are guys who are starting for them and, like serious defensive contributors at the cornerback position. So I, I I don't think it's crazy for them to just not go corner in the first round, but the back-to-back pick, like I don't love the wide receivers that we still have on the board for the Kansas city chiefs. And we know that Andy Reid's fine. Like, you know, taking the smaller, faster guys in the later round. So maybe 30 is where we go with cornerback for them. Can you get out of here without like, what, imagine, Chiefs fan base reaction coming out of the first rounder after trading Tyreek Hill and not taking a wide receiver. Just implosions of epic levels, and I cannot wait there, for that. There to happen. Isn't a guy though. I mean, what are you getting out of Christian? Disagree. What are don't you getting disagree. out of Christian Watson that you don't have in MVS already? Right? So like Yeah. Don't force no it. Don't too. force it. Don't make another Willie Gay pick where you have to draft <laughs> the first rounder two years later. So it always comes back to this because Everybody wants to draft best player available until it's not a position of need. And this happens so often where as we see the board play out, like you're not going to draft um, what's the Cincy wide receiver, like Alex Pierce here, just because he's big and fast. Like that's not how this works, but Chiefs fans are focused in on, Hey, we need a receiver. Why? Because we just traded one of the best in the NFL. So that I'm just talking about the, the thought process of a fan here. I, I don't disagree at all. I actually think that Lewis seen, is really interesting right here. And I know they have Justin Reed and they, you know, drafted Juan Thornhill in the second round a few years ago, but they've just done nothing to make me think that they're, they believe in Juan Thornhill and think that Juan Thornhill is going to be like that dude next to Justin Reed. So in, in a modern NFL where I I think we really underrate safety play, I think the Lewis scene would be really intriguing here, even though I know chiefs fans would absolutely go nuts if they don't take a wide receiver. Let's, Let's do it. Do it. Give them speed. A hundred percent. Such a good pick. Back to back Georgia. Yeah. You said an infusion of playmakers. We just added them. So scene is a guy who could just eliminate your slot threat right away. And that's one of his biggest attributes. He is amazing to me. Like he is such a good football player. And again, for what the chiefs would do, want to do on defense, you think about spags and how he used Tyron Matthew, where um, some plays he would be in the middle of the defense and he would be running down the middle as a cover two pole runner. Other times, you would just be matched up in the slot. Scene can do all of these things. He can do all of them well. The pairing of Justin Reed and Scene would give the Chiefs probably one of the best safety duos in the NFL. So, yeah, I I look forward. To, I would look forward to seeing that. And you, you mentioned just having trust in Thornhill. Was it Daniel Sorensen starting over him to start the season? Like, <laughs> there, it's clear that yeah. something is off, and and it's it's more about talent and. Um, when Justice talked about uh, Traylon Burks and have just being lined up right, a lot of we we're not privy to that information, and a lot of times it does come down to just guys not being able to consistently execute, and coaches can't count on them. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue with a guy who just played on a defense where he had Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker. So yeah, scene would be like the Chiefs are the Chiefs would be very lucky to have this type of draft. Let's just say that. 
Building around the defense, baby. Not Patrick Mahomes. That's what we're doing in Kansas City. <laughs> That's the headline, too. <laughs> I, I I would love those two picks, honestly. I, I know Chiefs fans wouldn't, but I, I just don't want to reach on a wide receiver if this is the way the board wound up falling. Like If George Pickens was there at, at 29 or 30, I would be absolutely thrilled if they got George Pickens, but he wasn't available. So I, I love both these picks to beef up their defense and get some playmakers on that side of the ball. Uh, number 31, the Cincinnati Bengals. They've been pretty busy this offseason after their Super Bowl run. Uh, they still need another cornerback. They could still use another center, defensive tackle. Uh, they need another tight end after CJ Uzama hit the open market. They've still got some holes to fill for the Cincinnati Bengals, but they're not in too bad a shape. Where do you guys think the Bengals should go at number 31? Uh, How do you guys feel about their free agency real quick? Oh, I think the biggest thing for me was their offensive line and they added some guys there with Alex yeah. Kappa and Lyle Collins. So I think free agency wise, the worst you can say is at, at worst they're treading water, which is, you know, they, they went to a Super Bowl with this roster last year. Um, at best Lyle Collins is a sizable upgrade that should immediately impact the team, the team moving forward. I kind of, I kind of almost want to go edge rusher here. Like, I know they have Trey Hendrickson, but, like, Sam Hubbard isn't really, like, a pocket pusher like that. I don't know how much longer he's going to end up being there for the Bengals. I I could see them going with someone like a a Mafe, who's, like, a designated pass rusher, or an Ojabo to kind of, like, redshirt him and and basically get him on discount and and, uh, have that, you know, in in the pocket moving forward, so. I think I, don't that's know. I was going to go with Jabo. Um, so, I mean, Sam Hubbard, Ohio State, but Big Ten. So you have Ojabo, and as you mentioned, the red shirt. I think Sam Hubbard will be a, like is a fine sub-package rusher, so bringing him off the bench. But it's probably not a guy you want to rely on. And I think he will actually even be better when it's less is more. So now, if you're the Bengals. He's, the a, bench- he's an NFL player for sure, but you could do better than him. Like yeah, could, and there, could do there's nothing that. wrong with that either. So having, yeah. you know, three edge rushers you can possibly put on the field at the same time, that would go a long way for the Bengals. And again, just adding talent, adding speed, adding athleticism, adding a guy who can get after the quarterback who, if you think your offense is as high-powered and going to sustain, be able to sustain, you know, what they did in 2021, um, you're going to have pass rush. You're going to have an opportunity to get after the quarterback with the lead. So that would, that's just how I would go about things. So yeah, I think a job would be a good fit here, and I'm – if he was healthy, he would probably be going, you know, earlier anyway. Right. Yeah. I think in the loaded AFC, I I don't think you can go wrong just by trying to stockpile guys that can get after the quarterbacks. So uh, for a team, and especially after you guys mentioned their free agency period, like I think the offensive line, as long as it's quantifiably better in any way than it was last season, then you're okay there. And so adding address, I think, is is a good decision for the Cincinnati Bengals. So David Ojabo. What's Ojabo's ceiling, Justice? Who? Um, like Randy Gregory, I guess. Like if everything hits. And I'm not necessarily like – I wasn't even the biggest fan of Ojabo before he got hurt. But if everything hits, it's like a Randy Gregory. I mean, it's basically designated pass rusher who's light but extremely athletic. Number 32, final pick of the first round of our mock draft, the Detroit Lions pick from the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, the Lions have uh, a ton of needs as they're rebuilding. Where do you guys think the Lions should go with the final pick of the first round? 
This is the Devin Lloyd pick, I think. Um, you know, Alex Anzalone's on a one-year contract. They have a good young player in Derek Barnes who's really fun. Um, he's actually really underrated. I understand if you didn't watch Detroit Lions football this past year, but he's going to be a player for them moving forward. But to have another guy lined up next to him um, would, would be nice, at least long-term. Anzalone's there short-term. They just signed Gerard Davis again off of the street. Um Inside linebacker is definitely a need for them. I think the way the board breaks out, they could take a value selection here. I, I wouldn't mind getting the fifth-year option on Devin Lloyd. I would go corner. Um, I mean, I guess – Selling the Okuda stock. So – Rest in peace, Okuda. It has nothing to do with Okuda <laughs> and everything to do with the guy playing on the opposite side of Okuda. Um but I mean, why? Like, it's Detroit. So any anywhere on defense, just keep adding young talent. I thought they had a great draft. I'm glad you mentioned him. But they had a few players last year who so, showed promising signs. So that's a good sign, and it's going to be a rebuild. We obviously took Malik Willis, so we're going to be, you know, we're going to be in this thing for a few years. Let's just say that. So knowing that, uh, let's just keep adding talent. I would go a guy that I can move around in secondary a little bit. I think this is a good spot for Kyler Gordon. I know he didn't run well, but um, I think he would really be fun with what Detroit wants to do. Um, but again, I'm, I'm cool with taking uh, Lloyd here. And I imagine, you know, he's not going to fall too far anyway. So we got to get Lloyd on the board. Let's get, let's give him to Detroit. Okay. We'll go, so, we'll go uh, Devin Lloyd for the Detroit lions at number 32. I'm going to laugh when Dan Campbell just takes a running back. <laughs> oh, the tweets. Oh, the tweets. Hometown kid. Kenny Walker, baby. Got to get, got to get one, got to sneak one running back into the first round. They've got Deandre Swift, but Dan Campbell wants to run the ball 35 times a game. So let's just would, load up on running backs. I would root like hell for Walker too, man. <laughs> So that is our final pick in our full first round mock draft. Um, I'm sure we'll I'll, I'll tweet out the picks if you if you want to get the full consensus one through 32 that we put together over the last couple of weeks here on the show. Uh, as always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week.